Hello and welcome. My name is Tom. This is the Enthusiasm Project, Season 10, Episode 5. And today we're going to dive into some Q&As because as tradition dictates, a tradition old as time itself, the fifth episode, the middle episode of every season is a Q&A episode. So this will be kind of a shift from the past two episodes. But I really love Q&As because they, I know I don't get to, to choose the direction that they go in. I can, it's really fun. So it always brings up cool topics and cool things that I just don't, I might not have even thought to talk about otherwise. So thank you to everyone who submitted questions in advance. I did it a little bit short notice. So today we're going to have questions from SpeakPipe, YouTube, and Instagram. And uh, we'll just go through those, through as many as we can, and then that will be the end. Today though, talking about equipment, change things up just a little bit. I'm still on the Earthworks ethos just because I've I really like this microphone and this is the one I'm using, but today it's running into the Rodecaster Pro 2 instead of the Duo, which we've been using for the past few weeks. So it's sort of funny because when there were two of us, Heather and I, we were using the Duo, the smaller Rodecaster. When it's just me, now I'm using the bigger Rodecaster that has all of the inputs. And after using the Duo for like weeks straight, the Rodecaster Pro 2 feels so big. There's like, (laughs) there's just so many things on it compared to the Duo. I really like the Duo. I'm just using this one because it's already integrated into my computer and easier to get sound from, you know, messages and stuff into. And I'm running on the generic condenser setting. Sound quality, though, should be no different than the Duo. The thing with the Duo and the Rodecaster Pro 2 is the internals are identical. It's just the number of inputs and the physical body that are different. But otherwise, everything else is exactly the same between them. So that's what we are. That's what you're listening to me on today. I really wanted to use the Boss Gigcaster 8, which I will be using in some future episode. But honestly, I couldn't get there. I couldn't get its sound effects pads to load. I just, it's not as intuitive as you would think. And you have to do something for the SD car. I don't know. I couldn't get the sound effects pad to load for the intro and outro music. And uh, so I'm not using the Gigcaster. So, and I do like the Roadcaster's presets. So anyway, that's what you're listening to. But I do want to include the Gigcaster in a few, in a future episode, because also I want to be able to show how it can handle instruments like guitar and bass, because it's, it's, uh, still think it's definitely overpriced. It shouldn't be the same price as the Roadcaster Pro 2. But when it comes to the music side of things and the virtual amp modeling and all that, it is leaps and bounds beyond any nothing even comes close to it so it definitely definitely does if i can talk correctly have some advantages so let's just jump into questions i'm not really there's no real sense or order to them other than i'll just be kind of going platform by platform starting with speakpipe i do have one audio message that's the most technically you know complex one to include so i'm going to do that right now this is from julie so thank you julie for sending your message take it away let's hear what you have to say Hey, Tom. My name is Julie Gayhart. I am a fellow educator, fellow podcaster, fellow YouTuber. Um, I started a YouTube channel uh, to go live uh, with my podcast and record the episodes uh, via eCab live on YouTube. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for all of your insights on your podcast, on your YouTube channel, and the last two episodes of your podcast were absolute fire um, about taking a break and stepping away and letting those creative juices flow. I truly appreciate it. And I say you're still an educator because you are educating us weekly with your podcast, with your YouTube channel, 
your email blast and everything that you do. I truly, truly appreciate it. And my question for you, Tom, and this is a selfish selfish question because um, I know you have a couple courses out there already. When are you going to be doing a course on Adobe Audition? Thanks for all you do, Tom. Truly appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much, Julie. I've talked to Julie a few times in like the comments and stuff on YouTube and email. And it's, uh, it's just really nice to hear from you. I appreciate all of the super kind words. I appreciate inclusion of the, descript- the descriptor fire for past episodes because indeed, I, I'm actually, I shouldn't say indeed. I just really like that. Uh, one thing I really miss about not teaching is I do not know like current slang at all. For 11 years, I was like up to date on slang. And now my my slang froze at like 2021. So I know I don't know what the kids are saying these days. And uh, I kind of miss being able to ironically and embarrassingly use slang terms around kids because that was one of my favorite parts of teaching. But uh, anyway, to get to the question, uh, Adobe Audition I don't know that I am skilled enough with Audition to teach a course, but I'm flattered that you would ask. I do have several tutorial videos with different things of Audition on my channel, and the Podcaster Playbook does have does kind of focus around Audition as the example software with some lessons that are more Audition-specific um, added into it, even though the course itself is not really about any specific piece of software. It's about production as a whole. And that's kind of so far, as far as I've gotten, I really do love Audition. I hate Adobe's subscription model, and I will never stop explaining how terrible it is. But the software, a lot of it is really good. Like Photoshop is great, of course. Audition is amazing. Their new podcast things like the Speech Enhance tool and some of those things are absolute lifesavers. And there's something about Audition. I've been trying to move over and edit. When I do edit podcasts, edit them in Logic, because logically it made sense. It, you know, I like Final Cut. Logic fits right in there. It's a one-time purchase. It's great for music. But when it comes to spoken word podcasts, it Audition is just so... I just... I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I really love just the experience of working in Audition. It's great, and it's so, so powerful. Um, but when it comes to learning it, I don't, I don't know when I would be skilled enough to make a course about it. But I can recommend my favorite resource for Adobe Audition stuff which is Mike Russell on YouTube. If you just go to YouTube and type in Mike Russell, two S's and two L's, uh, he has a channel, a fairly large channel, where he does all kinds of audio tutorials and things, and a lot of them center around Audition, and he is super skilled and really good at explaining stuff and really good at letting you listen to before and afters and understand the effects that different tools have. So that's that's one of my go-to resources for learning Audition myself, and I would definitely recommend it to anyone else. All right, jumping over to YouTube, uh, the, where is it? <laughs> um, the community tab. I posted a call for questions there, which is, it's always kind of a risk when I use the community tab because I don't even know how YouTube decides to show community posts, but I don't think it's that quickly. So typically I should probably do this like a week in advance, not a day in advance, but we still have a handful of questions from YouTube. So, uh, Art AC1320 asks, any updated thoughts or opinions on the YouTube podcast stuff? I think there was an issue where someone was able to use another creator's videos in their own podcast tab. Could be misremembering the situation. I My thoughts haven't really changed because as far as I know, there haven't been any huge updates to podcasting on YouTube. 
And what I'm personally waiting for is the ability to import an existing show, like an existing RSS feed, and have that listed in YouTube Music, which is something that they said they were going to do at some point, but uh, it hasn't happened yet. Once that happens, then I feel like I'm going to re reconfigure things a little bit and consider adding in a video component once the whole library of the past 150 episodes could also be included there. The issue with someone else using another video, I I see how that could happen because right now YouTube's podcasting is all based around playlists and you can add, you know, you can make a playlist with anybody's videos. Like you can just, it doesn't have to be your own videos in a playlist. You can just put one together just like you could on Spotify or whatever of songs that you like, make a playlist of videos you like. So I'm guessing that means that <laughs> someone was able to create a playlist, add other people's videos to the playlist and then list the playlist as a podcast even though none of the work in it was their own. That sounds like an oversight or a bug that I'm guessing would be, I, it totally makes sense that that would happen, but I'm guessing that's going to get fixed and taken care of somehow. Um, yeah, I don't have any updated thoughts on that. I'm just waiting for RSS feed news, news about that. Uh, uh, Jose, the Jose Gonzalez, not just Jose Gonzalez, but the asks, I want to get better at adapting clips from my podcast or live stream to short form content. How do you condense a bite to fit in a short video to try and capture engagement to the long form content? Uh, my answer to that personally would be I do that terribly because I don't really do it that well. Um, but if you if what you're asking is essentially you have a podcast, you want to take a clip of it and then make make that something that people would want to then use as a gateway to the longer form content I mean, I think the simplest thing is just finding interesting stuff, which is tedious. You know, if you have a an hour, an hour and a half long episode, and then you want to skim through and find 15 to 40 seconds or whatever, a minute that is interesting out of context and can stand on its own, it's kind of a lot of work to do that. And uh, I don't do that personally because, well, for that very reason. But that's what I would do is just find the thing that is the most able to stand on its own out of context, the most interesting, and then see if that will pull people through. I don't know how that, I don't know. I don't know if someone scrolling through short form content would be interested in then jumping into a long form podcast. I personally am just not super experienced with short form content. So I'm probably not the best person to ask, but that's what I would do in that case. Uh, it's Ryukin asks, I've never made a podcast before, but I do have my review series playlist. How can I turn them into a podcast, into like a podcast styled ones? Because they do have a length usually between 15 to 29 minutes. Just asking if there's any useful tips. I think there's two ways to go about this. Uh, going back to the first question is YouTube podcasts. You have, you know, review series playlist. You can go into that playlist settings and just mark it as a podcast. And then those videos will show up as a podcast on YouTube and you're done. <laughs> there's nothing else you need to do. Uh, and that's pretty cool. And that that's why it works really well for people who already have a bunch of stuff on YouTube. Um, if you want to then turn that into something else, whether it's video or audio only, I guess you could, um, I would, you know, rip the audio from those videos and then upload that to a, a traditional podcast hosting platform, get an RSS feed. Spotify for podcasters is the kind of the go-to free one, which can also accept videos. But of course, there's stuff like Buzzsprout and all the other paid services as well. So that's definitely something you could do if the the audio will stand on its own. Sometimes when you make a video, it is so visual that, you know, the, the audio wouldn't really make sense. But I have found that a lot of times for things like reviews, 
you kind of don't even need the video sometimes. Like you could just listen to it and sort of get the point of view unless the review is specifically showing like, see this part right here. This is the part, you know, that sort of thing. But when you're just sharing thoughts or maybe you could re-edit them together, you could probably make an audio only podcast out of those videos. The length doesn't matter. Like if it's 15 to 29 minutes, whatever, there's podcasts of all different lengths out there. And you could maybe launch a whole review podcast just with the existing stuff you have, which would be really, really cool. Um, all right. Dawa Digital says, I would love to hear your thoughts on other podcast studio setups and set designs. You can start with mine. I am not able to look at yours right now the second, uh, but suffice it to say it's amazing and it's the best. I'm assuming it's the best. <laughs> um, my favorite. So yeah, looking at other people's things is so, it's one of my favorite things to do, but it's also really personal because, you know, when you're looking at somebody's setup, you're looking at how they have chosen to put something together, which combines their personality, their skill set, the resources that they have. It's a whole thing that comes together to create their setup. And it's it's so fascinating to me to see what people have, why they have it, how they've chosen to set things up. You know, you, you sort of have a blank canvas when you're putting something together. And it's always cool to see what people end up with. So um Maybe it'd be fun to do like a live stream of like, just not, I know people do like rate or roast my thing. I don't want to roast anybody's setup, but I just want to see other people's setups. It's, it's super, super cool. Um, what I will say though, is I'm going to use this as a jumping off point to something I added to my website recently, because a question that I've gotten a lot is, uh, is advice for like getting setups, whether it's a podcast or video or stream or whatever, you know, like what equipment do I need? What do you recommend? All that kind of stuff. And so I put a page together on my website. You can go to HiMyNameIsTom.com and click the little gear thing up there. There's a recommended setups thing. And it's just, it's like a menu at a restaurant, basically. Like you can choose the setup you're interested in, a basic video setup, a single person audio podcast, multi-person audio podcast, multi-cam, live stream, whatever, video podcast. And then I just have my recommendations for what to use in those setups, uh, which is obviously not set in stone, but at least it's a starting point. And I hope that that's helpful. And I try to build it in a way that's easy to add to and update to over time, because obviously gear changes. And that's a that's a cool thing. So if you're looking for a setup, go to HiMyNameIsTom.com, click on gear, and there's a whole recommended setup thing. And you might find something that's helpful there, I guess. Uh, Eula5835 asks... Is it a big problem, the mic delay in digital mixers, the Rodecaster Pro 2, for recording song, song vocals or for live broadcasters and guests? Is there a way to bypass this delay regardless listening to the final mix? Thank you. Uh, so I think this is a question about late, latency in audio mixers, which um, I... So this is sort of a thing, because I, as far as I feel... Like the roadcaster and stuff, there's no latency. I'm listening to myself right now. I don't have that weird delay that you sometimes get. Like if I were running this audio into Audition and then back out into my headphones or into any other program back out into my headphones, there would be like, I forget what it is where your brain starts to notice it, but there would be enough latency where I would hear an echo of myself and it would really mess with my ability to speak clearly. I don't have any of that with the roadcasters, any of them, the first one, the second one, the duo. None of that um, or any of the other mixers that I've used. But I have had people leave comments and send me messages saying that they are annoyed by the latency in the roadcaster and that they there is some. And I don't know if that's a difference between units 
like mine doesn't and some do, or if it's somebody's ear being really finely tuned. If you're a musician or a singer, you might have an ear that is like so tuned in to any amount of latency that it's going to stand out and distract you. Or somebody else who isn't hasn't had to do that for so long might not notice it as much. So for me, I don't have any issues with any of these things. And I've even, you know, I've used the Rodecaster with my bass to do like online bass lessons many, many times, and it was fine. I've not had any issues with it. Um, but I will say, though, going back to the Boss Gigcaster 8, and there's a Gigcaster 4 if you don't need as many inputs, um, that one, playing instruments through it, there really is, I think I did notice that there is no latency with instrument audio. It's it's so cool. It's so fun to play with. It's like, I kind of prefer playing through that than my actual amplifier, which is crazy. I never would have expected that. So I don't know if there is a difference in the tech specs of the latency between like the Rodecasters or the DLZ and the Gigcaster. But if you're somebody who primarily works in music and you're looking for an all-in-one mixer workstation thingy, Maybe check out the Boss Gigcaster, either the 4 or the 8, and see if that might suit your needs. The interface isn't as polished as like the Rode stuff or even the Mackie DLZ, which even though that's a version 1 uh, device, it's really, really well done and like the interface is terrific. The Boss is, is a, it's a little more, it seems a little more dated even though it's brand new, but the capabilities of it are really really good and so it might be it might be worth sacrificing some of those like visual appeals or even the usability in some ways to get the quality that you're looking for and it is something that's designed with musicians first and everything else kind of second so that might be the thing to recommend there uh let's see here uh that's i think that's pretty much it (laughs) i posted a photo of my re20 for this community post like here's a microphone i'm doing podcast q a and then the rest of the comments are just about the picture it is a very cool looking picture of the re20 so that that's why i posted it because it's right there so now we'll jump over to instagram because this is where most of the questions come from but i was gonna kind of save it there till the end savor the flavor as it were so uh let's see dirty blue shop asks how can i best make a podcast based on visual aspects like pigments and so again i'm not a hundred and percent sure um, what we're going for here. But what I think the question is, and what I think might be helpful to other people is, if you want to create a podcast, you want it to have a video format, but you don't, um, you don't want to like put yourself on video or set up a studio, you just need some sort of visual element to go along with it. What's the best way to do that? And I think there are a bunch of different ways to approach it. And I think this might become very relevant as podcasting grows on YouTube because um, I my brain just completely blanked out right now. It'll be more relevant as podcasting grows on YouTube because people want to add podcasts and maybe they, they have a primarily audio first workflow and now they're on a video first platform. So a um, couple of things that I would do is really like really think about your audience, your listener, and their experience first in this case. And if you know that people are primarily just listening to what you're doing and not looking at it, not expecting video, then you don't need to spend a whole bunch of time animating like crazy graphics and things to it or setting up a studio. But it could also be worth thinking 
if it is worth setting up a very basic visual element, you don't need graphics, you don't need a whole set, like can you get a simple webcam or use a phone or whatever and just um, just point, you know, just point that right at you, single shot, very simple thing. So there is a visual element. If that's not the case, a couple other options. The easiest one is to just use your album artwork. Just whatever your podcast artwork is, put that up as an image on screen and that's that's your visual right there. Easy peasy. If you want to go beyond that, there's stuff like uh, doing the, um, I forget what they call it, like the sound waves, the voice sound waves. There are different ways to do that in different applications. Like, um, you know, you can do it kind of the, the the tough way yourself through things like After Effects and you add in audio and then it, you know, you can sync it and change the way that it looks as the waveforms are moving around. But I also believe don't quote me on this. I believe there are some free online tools to help you generate those kind of audio sound waves where you can just upload your file and it will give you a video file back. And then that's what you could use is just the sound waves right there. Or I'm sure there's something else. And I know within After Effects, there's a lot of visualizers for um, for audio. So you could do all kinds of crazy stuff. It almost reminds me, if you're old enough to remember Winamp, the like music audio player on PCs back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, Winamp had a visualizer and it was so, so much fun to like click that. And then it was just, I don't even know how to describe it. Just crazy visuals and things that went along to whatever songs you had downloaded off of Napster at the time. So you could do something like that. It was really fun then. I don't know if it's still fun now, but it sure was fun then. Uh, let's see here. Ernesto underscore my fave tech asks, what's the best location to upload a podcast free and or paid? Great question. Free, I still think Spotify for podcasters, which formerly was Anchor, is the way to go. Um, it's, you know, there's tons of great tools, tons of great resources. It's free. You can get up and running, even though it's, you know, it's Spotify, which Spotify is trying to create a bit of a walled garden for podcasting. You can still add your show to all the different directories, so it'll still show up on whatever application, wherever people get their shows. And to me, that's what's really important. I don't want someone to have to go to this one podcast host to get a thing. I want whatever application they're already using to listen to podcasts, I want my show to be able to show up there. And you can still do that with Spotify for Podcasters. And there's some cool tools, like there's, uh, you know, there's you can do video podcasting, you can incorporate ads for monetization if you want to. You can uh, incorporate listener voicemails like I just did with SpeakPipe. You can just do that kind of built in there. Some really cool stuff there. Um, if, if and I often recommend it as like try it out and then you can always move your show to another host if you want. That's what I did. But you also might not ever need to move from there. When it comes to the world of paid though, this is where things change and... I really do think it's worth using a paid host if you're planning to do your show for a long time. If you're just kind of diving in, doing a couple episodes, probably not worth it. But if you're something you're planning to do for the foreseeable future, for 10 seasons, whatever, uh, it's probably worth getting a paid host because it shifts you. It, just, it shifts your position. You are no longer you know, using a free service, which means... What you know, there's a thing of like, oh, nothing is really free. If you're using a free service, that means you're the product, meaning that your, you know, advertisers are the customers and you're the product because they get to put their ads on the stuff that you make. 
and not entirely untrue, even with Spotify for podcasters. When you use a paid service, you are the customer. And so a lot of things change um, in terms of like the support that you receive. It's just the experience is very different. And I remember when I was launching my first course, I experimented building the sa- the sales page for it in lead pages. So I have a Squarespace website, um, but the Squarespace editor at the time, like it was just kind of a pain to put together the page visually that I wanted. I didn't want to code like from scratch or anything like it's, you know, 2002 again. And the Podia editor was very basic at the time as well. It's since gotten better. And now that's what I use. So I was using lead pages, which is a paid service and it's kind of expensive. It was like four or $500 a year for lead pages. And I remember I it was one Sunday I ran into a problem and I used like their support chat or support email and I got a detailed personalized response back in like 20 minutes on off hours with this kind of obscure question. And I was telling Heather, like, this was amazing. Their service is so good. And she was like, well, yeah, you're the customer. Like you're, they know that you are the customer and the people who are using this product are using it probably for business related things. Like they don't really have time to waste and and they need problems solved immediately. And that's what the priority is. And it's true. That's very different than a free platform where you're not necessarily the customer or the priority or the platform itself even is aware of or cares about your needs. When you jump into a thing that you're paying for, it then puts you in that position and the service and the support and the reliability just kind of different. So I've used Buzzsprout now for, dang, three years, over three years. I really love Buzzsprout. Um, they're, I, the reason I love them is, actually, there's a lot of reasons. Let me tell you all about Buzzsprout. <laughs> actually, I'm going to go to my Buzzsprout page uh, because I want to remember, I like the whole interface. If you go to the paid podcast platforms, um, they're all kind of, you know, there's only so much you can do, right? When it's uploading and distributing files. So there's not a ton of difference in terms of like how you organize and upload your files. I like Buzzsprout's interface. The things that I really like um, are how they help you submit everything to a directory. They don't do it for you because you own your URL and your, your RSS feed and all that, but they give you very detailed directions for each directory. So it's like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Attic, Alexa, iHeartRadio, Pocket Cast, Overcast, all those things. Um, they give you very, very detailed instructions on how to get your show listed and all those, which I'm sure the other platforms do as well. But I really love the clarity that Buzzsprout has with it. They do have some pretty cool monetization options that I haven't um, dive, dived, dove in, divin into yet. Um, but what I really, really love is all the other stuff you can do with your episode. So their magic mastering, which is, um, I know Doc Rock was telling me what it was based off of. I forget what it was like an existing technology that was licensed, but magic mastering, basically you're listening to it right now. You can, it's not going to, you know, take the worst sounding thing in the world, make it sound amazing, but it, it really does help kind of normalize things and just make it sound a little bit better on a wider variety of speakers and listening devices and I've really loved been, being able to use that. I really like their dynamic content that you can add in. So if you want to, you know, have uh, things play before an episode or after an episode or even during it, you can do your own. It doesn't even have to be an ad, but like, you know, every once in a while, if I have like a new course or a promo code or something, I'll do it as like a pre-roll or a post-roll. And so that way you can add, if you've ever listened to a podcast and you're listening to like a three-year-old episode 
but there's like an ad or an announcement before it that's for something current. And you're wondering like, did they edit this audio file and re-upload it? Like, no, you can just add dynamic content. So you have the, the base file and then you can sort of add these little things before, after, and during it. And I really, really do like that. Um, they've got this new thing, which I haven't really played with, but it's co-host AI. So if you need help uh, putting together your episode titles, your show notes, transcriptions, all that kind of stuff, um, to help you out there. And the thing, the thing about Buzzsprout to me though, is uh, being able to meet the people behind the scenes and the people who run the company. They are so like passionate about podcasting and it's a team that's been together for many, many years. They really care about the the world of podcasting and the medium of podcasting. And it, you know, it comes from a place of enthusiasm, both as podcast creators themselves and then also podcast listeners and fans. And those are the kinds of people that I want running my podcast platform that I use. And, you know, again, I haven't used other paid platforms, so I can't say that they don't have that. But Buzzsprout really does and I, I love love the buzz. The buzz is good on the Buzzsprout. So that's my recommendation. If you want free, Spotify for podcasters. If you want paid, Buzzsprout is my favorite. But knowing that you can move your show at any time, you can redirect it and change hosts at any time, don't stress out too much about it. It's a little bit of a hassle to do it, but it's not crazy difficult. You can even do it in ways where people who follow and subscribe to your podcast will never know. I switched mine from Anchor to Buzzsprout three years ago. Nobody knew. <laughs> it didn't disrupt anything at all. Um, so I recommend, you know, check out all of them. Check out all of the podcasting hosts. See which one you like the best. The same way that for some reason I like working in Adobe Audition more than Logic. Maybe you'll find a host that you just like using and like working with and fits with you a little bit better. All right. Uh, Technoal says, what is the one thing you suggest to up my streaming game? Oh, dang. Well, air horns, sound effects, uh, just being as loud as possible for as long as possible. No, don't do, don't do those things. Those might not be the best way to level up your streaming game. Um, I don't know, you know, assuming you have a decent, an existing streaming thing, right? Like we can see and hear you and it's all working okay. You know, if your audio sounds terrible, fix that. If your video is dark and awful, fix that. But if everything's kind of okay, if not even better than okay, I would definitely focus on the content, like literally what is in the stream, what is the content of the stream, and meaning it's very easy with a live stream to, you know, kind of use the chat as a way to to sort of structure the, the stream and to figure out what you're talking about, how you're approaching it, but... Sometimes, especially if your streams are smaller, there might not be anybody in the chat. I think we've all been in that situation before. And sometimes the chat might not go in the direction that you were kind of planning to. So ultimately having a plan, you don't have to script your stream, but having an outline and a purpose, I think is really important. Sitting down and knowing, okay, I'm going to do this stream today. It doesn't matter if you, you know, it's a very instructional thing. Like this is a stream on how to, you know, how to create a slideshow presentation for a live stream class or something, and you're going to very concretely explain to people how to do something. Or if I were to do a live stream, let's say took Julie's suggestion to heart and did a live stream on um, 
Adobe Audition. And I was like, okay, today I'm going to, you know, I'm going to show people how to use these three tools in Adobe Audition. That's going to give the stream a structure. But if you're doing something that's a little more casual and like more entertainment based, you can still have some kind of an outline. Like, you know, what are some things that you do want to talk about? What are some, what's the kind of the purpose and the takeaway? Um, I like to sort of have a plan for not just the beginning, but also the middle and the end of a stream. Usually by the middle and the end, the people watching can help direct it and you can kind of, you know, play off their their mood and their tone, their vibes, as the kids say, back in 2021 at least. Um, but prior to that, having an idea of where you're going is really important. So starting the stream, you know, everyone just tuning in or coming in late, sort of setting a tone, having something you can talk about, assuming that there's not going to be anybody there watching or anybody in the chat, I think is really important. And then as people start coming in, you can sort of shift from the thing you're talking about to, you know, interacting with them. Um, but also, you know, that can sort of get stale or you can run out of steam or people stop saying anything in the chat. So having another thing or two to talk about in the middle kind of help can help, you know, get a second win and get things going and figuring out how you're going to wrap up this stream, you know, is, is also a good thing. Leaving people wanting more is better than leaving them feeling like they've had too much. So, you know, stick to that. And that's what I would definitely recommend. Uh, let's see here. The Marine underscore X says, what's your everyday carry pocket for Amazon box warrior tasks? Uh, usually it's whatever sharp object I use car keys, whatever I happen to just have in grabbing order. Um, I do have a box cutter on my workbench in the garage and usually I grab a box when it's delivered, goes there, box cutter open. I do have though, um, I've had this for, oh my gosh, I think since night, I got it for Christmas, 1999. I have a little Leatherman Micra, little like pocket knife. It's like the tiniest Leatherman multi-tool that they make. And that thing has been, I mean, I've had it for 24 years now and it's still going strong. And I love just using that, uh, trying not to injure myself using anything like box cutters and stuff. Cause sometimes I get so excited. I, oh, especially with the box cutter, I'd like extend the blade, cut the thing. And then I get so excited. I just set the box cutter down and just dig into the box. And then there's just an open box cutter and that's trying to be very conscious of not doing that anymore because that could potentially end poorly. But to answer the question, the sharpest object I can find nearby uh, is typically what I, what I go with. Uh, Certified Wrench Podcast asks, how can I pursue sponsorships for my podcast and not seem like a fool in the process? I think a good thing to do is to not worry about feeling like a fool or seeming like a fool. Um, you're doing the best you can. It's totally okay for people to see you trying. It's totally okay to, you know, put yourself out there and make mistakes and all that kind of stuff. That is completely okay. What I would recommend though, and again, I'm me, I'm someone probably not the best person to ask about sponsorships because, well, because I am who I am. Um, but I would definitely recommend not undervaluing yourself, but explaining what you're looking for. Like we've talked about the ethics statement and all that, but also like, what is it in this partnership? Like, how is it going to benefit them and you and the listener or the viewer? I think is really important. Um, there's one channel, well, actually there's three channels I like that are all run by the same person. His name is Brody Brazil and he's a um, an NBC sports broadcaster in Northern California, but he's got 
a YouTube channel all about that, kind of like sports and things. You got a YouTube channel about aviation and a YouTube channel about uh, like home production, kind of like the stuff I talk about. And he's great and he's super talented and it's really fun to watch somebody have all these different um, approaches to YouTube that also come from, you know, television broadcast experience. It's really cool. Uh, but he just recently did a video that was talking about, you know, plans for his channel. And he was talking about sponsors and he used the term purpose partner. And I really liked that rather than like a sponsor. But the difference is a sponsor might say like, yeah, okay, we'll give you money. Read this ad, read this script or whatever, you know, put this promo code in your description. Whereas a purpose partner is an outside entity that identifies with what you're trying to do and works to enable you to do it better and or to keep doing it at all. And I think that's really what to look for in a sponsor is a purpose partner, somebody who really understands what you're doing, trusts you. They don't want to they don't want to take over, they don't want to put themselves in the driver's seat. They want to enable you to keep doing what you're doing. That is very hard to find, very few and far between. But I think that's, you know, if you're just looking for like, hey, sponsor this one episode because I need some money, that might not be the answer. But if you're looking for a long-term, you know, relationship, <laughs> that sounds strange, a long-term partnership, like a relationship with, with, a, with the sponsor, with the partner, I think making sure your purposes and your values are aligned is really important. Um, and And just, being open and honest in your communication, your expectations, their expectations, all of that kind of stuff is is pretty important when getting started. But, you know, don't be afraid. The worst people can say is no, I guess. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with just giving it a try and seeing how it works. And it's going to feel weird at first, but it's okay. Let's see here. Joshua Cliston asks, what's something creative you wish you could make more time for? This is such a great question. Speaking of the last two episodes, uh, right now, my answer is nothing because, as we talked about last week, I was able to kind of flip my priorities. Prior to that, all remember all the buts came from shoulds. You feel like you should do something or you should be working on this. So that means when it comes to the stuff you really want to do, you feel like, I'd love to do that, but I should do this. And for some reason, even though my job is to be a YouTube creator... Making videos was the thing that I thought, you know, it almost felt like I was getting away with something by doing that. And I had to do all this other stuff, check off all these other boxes before I could dive into that world. And that was just not true. And so flipping that, like right now, today, for example, I'm recording this podcast because I really wanted to record a podcast today. On my like calendar, my loosely like put together calendar, I wasn't supposed to record till tomorrow, but I got really excited Yesterday, I was like, I really want to do a podcast. So I woke up super excited about podcasting. I had a video come out today. Haven't looked at it. Haven't checked. It. I have no idea at all because I'm more interested in the podcast than anything. And that has been so much fun is taking all the stuff that I feel like I should be doing and just sort of setting it off to the side and then focusing on the stuff that I want to do, which is making videos, making podcasts learning more about equipment. I went down a whole rabbit hole yesterday about um, this new wireless system that I have from Sennheiser that is really, really great, the EWDP. It's like their new, it's so good. It's so, so good. Um, and just, you know, like being able to kind of indulge that curiosity for a while 
without feeling guilty about it is really important. So I think if you had asked me this question several weeks ago, I would have said, oh, more videos, doing live streams, all that kind of stuff. And if you ask me it now, I, I feel the freedom to explore whatever it is that I want to explore, whenever I want to explore it, which is kind of freaking amazing. Uh, Logan Webb asks, uh, you coming to join us on threads? I saw this question last night and I was like, what is that? And then I, um, I saw that the mascot for our hockey team, Fuego, the firebird, he, or they posted a thing that was like, oh, this app just got hotter because now like new app. And I was like, wait, what is threads? And then I looked it up and I learned that threads is metas, uh, essentially Twitter competitor that launched on July 6th. And so with Twitter just fast imploding in on itself like a dying star, Meta is trying to swoop in and, and scoop people up there. Uh, for me, I did when, when Twitter was, when people are originally worried about Twitter dying earlier this year, or maybe it was late last year, I did kind of like poke around in some of the other apps that popped up that were being suggested as alternatives. And it's like, oh, I'll go claim my username or something at least. But nothing, nothing really clicked in terms of being something that I was like super excited about or wanted to keep checking or interacting with. And now, especially after the past few weeks, I personally just don't have any desire to like be on another social media platform. Uh, and Twitter specifically is like, so I, I'm okay if Twitter goes away and I definitely personally don't feel the need to replace it, which is just me. Um, so like, it's not saying, Oh my God, how how could you go on a new thing? I totally get it. Can't say I'll never join it. You never know, right? You never know what will happen. Maybe one day I'll be like, Threads is the freaking best. It's my favorite platform ever. I do remember probably about 10 years ago, I had a student who was entering a White House film festival. It was really cool. It was like a student film festival for the White House. And the way that students had to submit their work um, was to have the teacher upload it to YouTube and then submit the link and all the paperwork and everything. And that was the first time I ever uploaded a video to YouTube, or I guess it was the second time. The first time was in like 2007 or something. I don't remember that. But I remember this because my media program had a Vimeo page or channel that I really liked because we, with all our like community partners and clients and stuff that we worked with, everything was done on Vimeo. And it's so easy to like distribute stuff and sh and share things and get feedback. And it's such a clean, Vimeo is still great for that stuff like to this day. Uh, so I was used to that. And then I went to YouTube, which was not only different, but it was also, you know, 2013 YouTube and tried to upload a video, tried to make an account, upload a video. It took like half a day for me to figure this out. And I hated the, it was just, I just remember feeling like it was so loud and so confusing and there was just so much stuff everywhere. And it was such a like frustrating nightmare compared to what I was used to. I remember thinking, I'm never going to upload a video to YouTube again. Oh my God. Fast forward 10 years. And now that's been my full-time job for two and a half years. My channel is six years old. Like, you know, you can never say never right now. I have no interest in joining another social media platform. Um, and Twitter's we, I feel like, I don't know how threads works, but with Twitter, it's like, I feel like I did a great job of kind of culling the, the people that I follow, the topics and everything, but it's still, other stuff just seeps in and the stuff that I want to see doesn't even get shown. And it's like, that's the app where I 
really don't know what the heck to even how to even approach it because there's stuff the stuff I like where it's literally you know the local hockey team or someone like Gil for you know who's been on the podcast several times before Gil's somebody where every time he posts anything on any platform that that I follow him on it makes me feel good like it's always something interesting it's always something fun it's always something exciting whenever I see a Gil post I'm filled to the gills with joy but then right below that is some insane thing from somebody that i don't follow or some topic that i don't follow and it's like uh, i just can't i wish i could just have everything be what i actually curate it to be but at least that platform is so broken <laughs> that is just not how it works and that's that's the platform where i really find myself i mean i haven't really been on there in weeks at this point but that's where i have found myself in the past going on to like look for stuff I'm interested in and then finding myself feeling bad or, or feeling frustrated or kind of in a bad mood. And it's like, wow, if I look at the time I'm spending on this platform, it's definitely a net negative overall. So I don't know what I've been doing there is just sort of checking in every so often for notifications, because at least the things that, that I'm like tagged in or whatever, it's easier to say like if I should just ignore this or if it's part of an interesting conversation that's at least relevant to me. And that's kind of it. And if Twitter disappears and goes away, I am not interested in um, replacing it. The same thing. There's all the drama with Reddit, like changing, kind of going away, kind of not going away, which, you know, that's another thing that I've checked regularly for many, many years. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset, you know, spending less time there either. Um, so as of right now, no plans to join on threads, but I'm interested to see what people think about it, how they feel about it. And I'm happy to be wrong about it for sure. Uh, but the thing that I am, you want to talk about the new platform that I am joining? It's the AV lab, my own message board that I put together. So, uh, if you didn't know, if you are a channel member or you're enrolled in any of my courses, I have in the past, I have previously had discord servers and now those are being replaced with just a, an old school PHP BB message board. We talked about it a little bit last week. And uh, it's great. It's, you know, it's just starting right now. So there's not like a ton of activity there, but that's great too. There's no algorithms. There's no data tracking. There's no, there's no anything like it's installed. You know, I installed and created the database on my server space that, you know, that from the hosting that I pay for. So even the platform, the open source platform that creates the forum software can't see what's in the forum. And I don't, there's nothing in there. There's, it's the opposite of every social media. There is no tracking, no anything, nothing. It's just old school message board. And I love it. And that's, that's where I will be. Those are, that's where I will be. And it's great. Um, so yeah, if you want to check it out, uh, check out Patreon, YouTube channel memberships, or any of my courses, and they come with a, a password to join the secret, super awesome AV Lab message board. Uh, Gil, oh, speaking, speaking of the devil, <laughs> I said his name three times and he showed up. I know you love The Simpsons, but what is one of your favorite episodes? Yeah, okay. <clears throat> this is not definitive. These are just the ones that come to mind. So... As somebody who was born in the mid 80s and then grew up with The Simpsons, I have the very typical thing of like seasons, you know, the first nine seasons are kind of pure gold. 
And then it's weird after that. And I haven't seen most of the show at this point. They're in like season 35, 36. I haven't seen most of, I haven't seen most of my favorite show. Isn't that weird? And I, and I'm not alone in that for sure. Um, the turning point for me with the Simpsons, which is, it's funny. Like, I feel like a lot of people around my age have kind of where they fell off and where they stopped watching it. But a lot of it is different. And mine, I'd be interested to go back to watch this episode now and just see how I feel about it. But it was the NSYNC episode, which still has like some stuff that I really liked in it. Like it has the joke about subliminal, liminal, and superliminal. It's about like the Navy subliminally like trying to get people to join and that they're using like NSYNC or they're using like a pop song. Bart joins a boy band and they record a song that ends up being a subliminal thing to join the Navy. And then they have liminal stuff, which is like <laughs> like a poster that says join the Navy. And then they have super liminal, which is just screaming at someone to do something. That thing pops into my head like three times a week for the past I don't know, 20 years. Um, but that episode was like, when there's literally like, okay, I, I guess I must have been a pre 9-11, right? Because at a certain point, skyscrapers start collapsing and everybody's cool with it. So it had to be a pre 9-11 episode. Uh, but it's like... One, that that in and of itself is insane that like, and then it just has no consequence later on. But then it's like, you know, Bard and Milhouse and like the, the Springfield kids become a world famous boy band and they're mentored by NSYNC, who's also doing Matrix parodies. And I was like, yeah, I'm out. I can't. This is not interesting to me at all. This is not the show. I really, really, really don't like it when it it jumps into the like, wow, celebrity first name, last name. And there's years of the show that were just kind of that. And I think it has come around. I've watched every once in a while, I'll watch like a more recent or a new episode. It's like, oh, dang, I see them doing kind of creative things. But also, I really like the older animation style where things were a little messy and it wasn't everything's not perfectly on model and kind of like stiff feeling. So anyway, that does not answer your question at all. My point is, I'll even I'll include season one, maybe even up to season 10. Like give me any episode from those seasons and even my the ones I don't like as much, I'll still love. Like they're still incredible episodes of television. The two that pop to mind pop to my mind when I think of like if I'm just gonna put in a Simpsons DVD and want to watch something are uh You Only Move Twice. That's the Hank Scorpio episode, which is uh incredibly absurd and definitely one of my favorites, but it's not a Springfield based episode. So it's sort of, you know, it's sort of a weird one because it's not in Springfield, which is part of the charm. And the other one is King Size Homer, where Homer tries to gain a bunch of weight to go on disability and work from home. Uh, he has the drinking bird that hits Y on the keyboard. It's the whole, it's, oh, in the monorail episode. Ah, dang. That's a good show. That's a really good show. Uh, thanks for making me think of The Simpson. And the follow-up from Quickity Jack says, don't you hate pants? And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Cannon Landwale says, how does someone have so many dad jokes? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's a brain, it's a brain problem. And I have no interest in solving it. Pat Babom asks, you're in your studio. Zombies break in. What thing from the room do you grab to fend them off? I have been thinking about this. Because I don't, it's like there, there's a practical side like, oh, well, I'll just take a, a C-stand with a grip head on it and just bash some, you know, that's a good weapon, just like a club, right? 
But maybe there's something a little more creative. I don't know. How would a zombie react to a pavo tube on like the rainbow hue pixel shift thing? Would that terrify them, melt them? I don't know exactly what it would do. Or, or the thing I would grab to fend them off is a microphone and a, a roadcaster and ask them to sit down with me and we could really get to the root of the problem and maybe come to a mutual understanding. And do you know what vegetarian zombies eat? Grains. Where is it? There it is. All right. And I think that we're actually, uh, actually, that is the last question. So there we go. All right. Well, that was, wow. Uh, what a thing to go out on it. But anyway, there we go. There's our Q&A. Um, thank you to everyone who submitted questions. I appreciate it, especially on kind of short notice, but it's very, very much appreciated. Um, you do not have to wait for a Q&A episode to submit a cue to be aid, though, of course. You can always shoot an email to tom at enthusiasmproject.com or the easiest way is to just go to hi-my-name-is-tom.com and right there on the front page is it says leave a message for the podcast and you can just click record using whatever device you have that has a microphone. It can be your phone. If you have, you know, Rodecaster set up to computer with really nice microphone, you could use that too. It's whatever you want to do, but it is the quickest and easiest way to just get something recorded and sent in right away. Um, whatever works. So if you have a thought or a question at any time, always send those in and I'm happy to include them in future episodes. No problem. So uh, that is the season 10 Q&A episode. I appreciate everybody's everybody listening. I appreciate all the support for the previous two episodes, the taking a break and coming back from a break and reflecting. That has been a really cool experience. And maybe I'll Maybe I'll do an update to that at some point after I've like been back in the thick of things for a while and trying to navigate that with a different perspective. This is sort of my first week doing that. And I think it's been pretty good. It's definitely been different, but in a good way. And I'm curious now to see, I'm just curious to see where it goes and how that continues to work. But so far it's been awesome. And I appreciate so much all the kind support there and taking breaks is something that is hugely important and probably should be prioritized a lot more. So uh, if you don't have one planned, try to take some time for yourself this week. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a safe, happy, healthy rest of your week, and I will see you next time. (laughs) 